Welcome to the Royals podcast once again. My name is Sid Lahiri. I'm your host for today on a very, very special episode with some of our illustrious guests. This is episode five. So far, we've had conversations about the manager, the nets, the bubble life, and a whole load more. You can catch up all the episodes on Spotify. Today's episode is about the coach. We have with us today, Kumar Sangakara, head coach, director of cricket, Rajasthan Royals, Trevor Penny, who's our assistant coach, and Lasit Malinga, one of the greatest bowlers who's our fast bowling coach. I hope you guys will have a really good time listening to this. So guys, my first question is, from being a player to a coach, when did you know that was what you wanted? Was it something that you realized during your playing career? Um, for me, no, not definitely not during the playing, my playing career. And as I moved away from international cricket and started playing for Sari, um, I had a, you know, a few approaches from different sides, uh, to be, uh, you know, play a consultancy role, uh, in terms of batting expertise. Um, and I just didn't have the time to take up, uh, any of that. Um, coaching, uh, is, is very different to being a player and the mindset is different. Uh, the, the role in support is different. Um, and you have to be able to understand that, accept that and, and grow into that role. And there's a lot of learning involved doing that. So when I started with RR um, as director of cricket and then of course coach, um, it was, um, you know, progressive learning from there to understand, you know, my role um, in terms of, of building a side, in terms of um, supporting the side, in terms of putting things in place, in terms of structure and strategy and tactics and having the right uh, support group around me in terms of coaches, in terms of managers, um, support staff, um, to enable and empower players to go out there and do their best and be comfortable in their own skins. And the real crucial part is firstly selecting the players and then organizing a culture around them that gets the best out of them. TP? Well, for me, uh, obviously I've been coaching a long time, a lot longer than Mali and Sanger. Um, He's but old, I, he's, I, quite old. I knew, yeah. Um, <laughs> while I was playing, I coached the Zimbabwe A side in the off season, and uh, learned to love coaching. I actually prefer coaching to playing. It's surprising to say that, but yeah. So I knew from a quite a young age, and um, done quite a lot of coaching since. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed. Mali, uh, when I play in this, I didn't have that much. Uh, I wanted to be a coach. But when I play in this as well, I just want to share my experience. And uh, when I play that tough situation, always I play that uh, first power play and end of the inning. The pressure how to handle and what other skill we need to develop to handle any situations. Then I will always share my experience with any other player. It doesn't matter it's my team or other team. I just want to share my knowledge and experience to grow this cricket going forward. Then uh, suddenly after retirement, just Maya asked me just join with the RR. Then I feel good opportunity me opportunity to share my experience with all the young cricketers and who were playing with the RR. This is a, I feel this good challenge for me, a big different playing and uh, as a coach uh, because we need to get, build more patience to uh, see because we are in the outside the ring. Then. Uh, 
very important we have to pay we have to be see and look at them others what they are doing and with patience so sanga i have a question on similar to this that for someone like you and uh, mali for both of you guys to have been some of the top 5 cricketers of the world and being a captain yourself how do you actually keep yourself so sort of like composed because it must be so tempting for you to see what is going on and thinking oh i would have done it differently i've led a team how does do you find that how do you manage that in terms of controlling your own sort of emotions because for us like you know it's easy because we've always had the coach role so in terms of that you know we can be pretty how do you how do you uh, handcuff him to the table so. yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think that's a good question i don't know whether i'm really completely composed or calm when i'm sitting and watching a game because those thoughts of reading the game watching what un- unfolds and and trying to uh read the game a little bit ahead of what's going on out there is is crucial and i've got great support from mali from tp uh zubin panish and giles in terms of the analysts as well to get that information and the crucial bits of usable information to the field during a strategic timeout or a specific message if needed um but the thing with captaincy is it's done differently by different individuals um there's a baseline in terms of how you would read a game and there are you know additions that can uh, be made uh with, with different um kind of um reasons uh, some are a little bit more emotional some are a lot more clinical some rely on gut some rely on experience um uh but there is a you know this this role of risk and reward in terms of captaincy when to take a calculated risk um how do you uh, you know plan ahead um, how do you read what's unfolding in front of you you know we talk a lot about mental toughness but what's more important it is being nimble in your mind having mental skills to be flexible and adapt um you know from a set strategy to you know changing that depending on what is happening uh because everything doesn't happen by the book or as as you would have planned in a game and especially in t20 things change very fast um but our job as coaches is firstly you know mali's um, a bowling expert bowling coach and he's got to have the independence to do his job and for us to be involved in terms of supporting him to do that really well yeah tp he's got to have independence to do his role uh, as um, as well as he can this is not about micromanagement but having the people around you that you know and you trust to do those jobs and my role as as head coach is to is to allow that to happen um and um, you know leadership is always situational um, whether you're out in the middle or whether you're off the field the real uh, thing for me is to put that players hat aside understand why decisions were made see whether we have any input as a collective or as individual coaches that can better that process out there so it's just about empowering players with 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 info that is not overwhelming but enough for them to keep making better decisions and keep making um, you know giving them the opportunity to get better and that and that's how i see it so it doesn't matter whether i've captained or coached or whatever once the players go onto the field yeah. it's the players that take responsibility and play and mali what about you when you are on the sort of bowling coach role and you have you know you work and you himself you've done things so well i think uh, most important when i feel uh, tactically like bowlers have to understand their strength we know exactly uh, 
in the match situation, many pressure situation creating. But at that time, uh, they have to remind their skill and they have that kind of skill. Then they know exactly, okay, they can handle the situations because they have a skills to handle that each situations. Uh, because a bowler need like uh, three bowling option to this handle any situation. One good taking option, one stock ball and one good line and length. Only thing is just two batsmen, right hand and left hand. Just according to that, here to get a clear plan and execute that. That's the most important. In, uh, behind the ring, like uh, we we want to give all the confidence to build. They are they have that skill. They can control. They can deliver that. Then uh, most of the time, that's why you want to get help uh, to build their strength and skill. TB, in terms of qualities which we are looking for players, you have vast experience of coaching. What are the qualities you would look when we are scouting players? I mean, this question is for you and Sangha uh, in terms of player scouting. Well, I, I, I like to choose character. Um, a lot of cricketers all got um, the skills, um, but I think a certain type of character that you want for your team, I think it's crucial um, that he's going to fit into the way you want to play. Um, Often you can choose players and they're, they're very indiv individual and um, they don't fit in. So that would be a big thing for me. I like choosing character. Sanka? Um, I think TP's got a great point, especially when you're playing T20 cricket and you're spending a long time in a bubble together. Um, you know, having good characters around makes a, a world of difference. Uh, at the same time, scouting is about also identifying skill that's important uh, in terms of the mix that you have in your squad and that enables you to kind of um, put out combinations out on the field that you know suits the opposition suits conditions and gives you the best advantage to win um, and once you have that skill and the bonus is the character so we said so that's a good one for you though because you you were at the camp and you were scouting for RR weren't you a few months back yeah so that's uh, you know very detailed with what Sangha and Zubin are uh, looking for. Sangha was there as well this time on the trials. And from our role, it's about helping and ensuring that the players who are, it's quite tough. Uh, it, it's been very run very professionally. Uh, Sangha spent a lot of time with all the players who came on the trials because not all of them get picked. But what we look at is they're playing domestic tournaments. Uh, they're traveling various places. They come over to Talegaon, which is quite far. So they only almost have like two hours, three hours just come in, bat a few overs, bowl a few overs, portray their skills. So from our point of view is to facilitate that they feel comfortable, they relax, and they try and do their best. But I think there's so much of groundwork going on behind the scenes with Panish, Jailo, and the team. We look at specific uh, skills. My role is to ensure that uh, the trial runs smoothly, uh, give my inputs at the end of the day to Zubin, and when Sangha's around, uh, Sangha. So yeah, that's the way we scout them and I think we've been pretty successful in whatever we wanted we've uh, we've got them in the auction as well you know in terms of our bubble life at the moment you know this you know, question is how do we plan in terms of before and after matches I mean the guys obviously got do too much so uh, you I know are very TP very keen on players having a bit of time to relax and do what what's your thought on managing that sort of pressure environment we have especially because of the bubble? I think it's a blend. Um, obviously, the practices are crucial. You've got to have perfect practices and make sure the players are ready to play the game. Um, outside of that practice, there's obviously meetings. Sanger, Mali takes his bowling meetings. Um, Jilo 
punish. Um, all those meetings are crucial. But outside of that, I think it's it's crucial to have um, team gatherings as well, get a bit of fun going within the bubble because it's been seven weeks now. Um, and luckily, we've got a, a really big space here in the hotel. So I don't think anyone's found it too tough yet. Um, we've got a nice playroom there. Um, we've got a pool. We've got a big restaurant. It's all pretty good in our bubble. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, we've got a good squad. Everyone's getting on together. And obviously, we've won six games. I think winning uh, winning helps um, a bubble life. Sangha, you spoke in one of the meetings about risk and reward a lot. You know, what is it? What is that in terms of what do you mean in terms of our players when they're practicing? Uh, well, I think it's you've got to accept the fact that that's T20 cricket. That's how it plays. Every single volleyball or shot you play carries inherent risk. Uh, number one, uh, you've got to accept it and you've got to thrive in it, relish it, because... Um, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, really. And you've got to be able to trust that skill, trust the team plan, commit to it. And when you go out there and you're faced with a situation that can go either way, you've got to have the courage and the and the conviction uh, which way to go. And it's always to take a positive option that suits your strengths and do the job that is necessary for the side. You know, we talk a lot about orange caps and purple caps and all of these things. They all, they're things that happen along the way uh, to good sides that do their jobs well. Uh, and it's about um, kind of um, subjecting yourself um, and having, you know, the team ambition as the primary objective and then your own personal ambitions will automatically be achieved. Uh, in terms of risk and reward, it's the way you play, it's the way you captain, it's the way you bowl. Uh, and, and the keys, you know, to be in a situation where it doesn't have to be a Hail Mary, where you just have to, out of desperation, you know, kind of throw the dice. You've got to always kind of stack the odds in your favor. And uh, sometimes you've got to, you know, make that decision uh, where you do it. Sometimes it's earlier in the game, sometimes it's later. But you've always got to try and create a situation where, even though it's a risk, the um, the, the chances of success are still stacked in your favor. This is for all three of you guys. Anyone in the current RR squad who... Straight away, you guys thought of picking up uh, as players? Well, I think it, it, there was a huge amount of research done on, on the players that we've, we've recruited, um, especially our, our top 14 to 15 players. Uh, and it's not just a, a gut feel or an instant thought. It was a, you know, six or seven months of, of data mining and building analytical models, prediction models, uh, past performances. And trying not to give in to biases of recency in terms of form um, or hype, uh, but just being very clinical with those decisions. Um, and that helps a lot because, you know, um, the decisions made just on emotion or gut doesn't, you know, there's quite a lot that can go wrong with it uh, because you get carried away with certain, your own experiences, your own expertise at times, uh, the, the baggage that you carry from your playing careers, all of these can come into those decision making processes, but you've got to be detached and clinical when you do it. So it was a collective detailed effort that led to this squad. In terms of your coaching styles, how would you guys define individually your coaching styles? Uh, most of the time, like I feel uh, as a bowler, they have developed their skills. If they have skills, then they can manage the situations. Better, I'm not looking for opposition weakness much. 
but bowlers have to get their skill accurate and uh, patient to repeat repeat is very important and they have to remind every time what he did previous matches best thing to defend or take a wicket or something like that this is most important and i always to prepare to do the skill training this is the most important if i feel tp uh, for me i like to um gain the trust of the players that type of coaching is uh, suits me so once i get the trust of the players um they buy into my style of coaching um i think it's a uh, really important not to jump in and you got to treat everyone differently um i think that's the key to coaching as well sala i think yeah gain the trust manage the characters really well because the skill is there and then direct that skill or and as mali said improve yeah. that skill uh, if there's opportunity and time to do that and just get them match ready um at the end of the day it's about controlling what you can control and that's what you do on the field and at training and then around that you build a culture where everyone's you know aligned everyone's bought into what the team wants to do uh, and everyone's having you know this relaxed uh, focused fun attitude off the field and they take onto the field with a firm belief that they're ready to play and they're good enough to win i yeah. think the the one thing you learn as a coach when you're a player it's all about you and then you fit into a team but when you're a coach it's nothing to do with you um and it's all about the player obviously you got to have your identity as a coach and that but ultimately it's improving players and got uh, not too much to do with yourself yeah i mean and I, i mean i i've learned here that when you are in working in grassroots for a long period of time so you're very hands on and you're like consistently trying to talk and you know and here i've learned that you to understand almost to stay within your roles and it's actually the best communication when you just listen and just facilitate and that's quite challenging at times when you want to impose and do things so i think it's been yeah so it's yeah it's interesting when i hear from all you guys because so on that line tp the question is i mean you've been a coach for such a long time more than these two guys is there anything which you think you would like to see or give them advice in terms of your experience of coaching at the highest level with so many different players uh, to uh, sanga and uh, mali I, I and to me as well. Yeah, I've done a lot of coaching and I've coached with a lot of really good coaches as well. Um the one thing I've found is that you've got to coach your way. Don't try and be somebody else. Like Sanga obviously is so eloquent and talks really well. Yeah. And some coaches can't do that, so you can't try and be like Sanga if you know what I mean. So I think it's a crucial thing you got to coach in your style and the way you coach you'll get the respect from the players that way rather than trying to act like someone else. and in the old days you to just a head coach you did everything nowadays you got so many specialist coaches that come in and support so as head coach uh, it's about just about stepping back and making sure that you're managing uh, you're empowering you're enabling and you're there to support the players in whatever way they need and put your ego aside because you know good or bad performances on the field is part and parcel of the game and if you take it personally and and uh, you know that that can really lead to making wrong decisions or creating a culture that is counterproductive. And that was my next question that we've got such a you know illustrious coaching group plus players and such long big support staff how do you sort of the communication over here has been absolutely brilliant. So what is it that you when you started the role what was your mindset as to managing so many different personalities and 
getting them to, it's almost like too many crooks spoil the broad, but it's never happened with us. Everybody seems to know what they're doing. So, you know, that's how did you sort of plan that? I mean, role definition is, is important uh, and com- clear communication and having the right protocols in place for communication is very important because, you know, there are so many moving parts in a franchise. You have the ownership, you have upper management, then you have coaching staff, uh, then you have players. Um, and there has to be a set way of communicating very clearly uh, and using the right channels for that. And um, it's very easy when things go badly or when things are going really well for those channels to, you know, be forgotten about. And there's a lot of chat here, there wanting to do things, you know, slightly differently. The real thing is you've got to understand what got you there in the first place and then keep committing to that. You know, repetition can be boring, but when good things are repeated, you get very, very good results. Um, and then it's just on that baseline and that foundation that you can try and do things slightly differently if needed. Um, and sometimes it's very hard to commit to something uh, that seems so simple, uh, but it's very, very important. And that line of communication, who's in charge, who reports to whom, uh, and how that communication is filtered is extremely important. <laughs> Well, we now have a few power play questions. So we'll start with Mali. Uh, describe Coach Sangha in one word. I feel like I got experience is well organized. TB. I can't really say what I'm thinking. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, perfectionists. For me, inspiring. Uh, what's been one of the fun- funniest moments in the dugout during this IPL season? Why don't you answer that one first, Sid? Well, I, I have one because when me, I sit next to Mali and then Mali and Sangha have this conversation in Sinhalese, which <laughs> nobody understands. And they have a long conversation. The only thing we understand is sometimes they smile yep. and sometimes they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the funny bit for me. What about you, TP? Um, I think Hetty commentating. Who was it? It was Yuzi. Yuzi batting Yuzi and, and he was just taking the mickey out of him. It was the, really funny. The best part was when he hit that ball and went to short mid-wicket and he shouted that the bat's heavier than you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it, what has been your favourite moment of the season so far? Favourite season so far, I feel like uh, since... He's played uh, debut and uh, he didn't have much experience, but his ball last over that match. I think it is a tough time and I have experience with like the debut match. He had to depend that runs. It's a, uh, nobody expecting to that with the debut match. I think this is the most valuable for me. TV? I think um, Rian's 50. He was under massive amount of pressure and uh, he came came to the party and got that 50 and some really good catches that game. So very pleased for him. Sangha? I think uh, many moments, but I think as Mali said, uh, Kuldeep Sen coming in and defending 14 runs against uh, Marcus Stoinis in a crucial game. And that was an outstanding effort. It just goes to show, you know, um, you have skill and you have character and the combination of both is, can be brilliant. Mm. Also, beating Sanger at golf the other day was good. <coughs> we, don't have a, we don't have any evidence <laughs> hey, of <yes>. that. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the scorecard. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it was uh, uh, that Ashwin's ball uh, to Andre Russell, uh, which led to that hat-trick. And uh, 
Obed's last last over. I thought he stood up on that match. I think it was it was quite, yeah. especially that ball because uh, he was. Remember TP, he was making you and me stand as an umpire and practicing that ball, and he came and delivered that. Yeah. So, guys, thank you for your time. It's been absolutely wonderful, and thank you for being so nice to me, TP. Pleasure, Sid. <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. 